God has called us to be soldiers of the Lord. But only He can salve our wounds. Amen? That's good. May God help us. Take your Bibles and turn with me to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2 as we finish our series on what they said about Christ. What they said about Christ. It's amazing as we look at what we commonly refer to as the Christmas story. How much doctrine there is. It's not just a sweet little story to tell kids. It's filled with truth. The foundational truths for the Christian. And as we come to this last time, in these last two people, Simeon and Anna, we come to two people who are ancient in their age, but were devout with their lives. The sad reality is, is that in Christianity, by the time people get to be 80 or 90 years old, they've long ago ceased to live for Christ the way they once did. And these two, though no doubt they dealt with infirmities that only come with age, were devout to the end. If you're here today... And you're more in the twilight of your life than the morning. I plead with you. Continue to live your life for the Lord. There's so much that God has for you to do. A purpose that God has that never ceased to exist. When you hit that first major hurdle in your health. God didn't bring that hurdle to say, you know what, I'm done with you now. If He wanted to, He would have used that hurdle to bring you home and then He'd be done, at least with you here. Then you'd be there and that'd be much better. (laughs) But if you're here today, there are dreams that God has for you to dream. Things that He wants you to experience that you'd never appreciate if you were... 30 or 40 or 50 years old. And these two people, though they were 80 or 90, maybe even 100 years old, they were faithful unto the end. They were devout. We often think of the word devout as a word that's used for the little old lady who makes her way to the Catholic church to light her candles every day. And we talk about how devout that person is. And there is some reality to that. The sad thing is, is the devotion, the, de- the devoutness is, is being devoted to something that's far, far less than what we can be devoted to. God has called us to be devout, to never let go. I was watching a video the other day of young men whose arms were as big as pythons. I don't know if that's a, that's, that's what I remember from the Hulk. You guys remember that? <laughs> but they put a bar up and they said, we'll give a hundred dollars to anybody who can hold on to this bar for three minutes. And these guys, they'd hold on. They'd, they'd give all their strength. But before three minutes ever came up, they were falling. They were falling. 
And then this little, this little, little, little lady got up there, maybe 50 years old, couldn't weigh more than 85 pounds, said, I got this. And she, she got up there and she probably, she probably still there. <laughs> the, the thing, the, the thing that we need to remember is that things may get difficult in this life, but we have Christ and we can continue with him and we can continue to be devout. And these two people are two of my favorite people to remember, to study, to think about. And I love to preach about Simeon and Anna. And so take your Bibles with me and turn there. Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. And we're going to start there in verse 25. Before we read the scripture, let's pray together. Father, thank you for this time. I thank you for the word of God. I thank you that there's nothing that you could have put in the word of God that you didn't. And there's nothing that we can read in the word of God that is worth nothing, but it is of great value. I thank you that nothing is missing. And I thank you for the precious lives of Simeon and Anna. Two people that you gave to us. To learn from and even to love. Lord, I pray that you'd raise up people like Simeon and Anna. Who live devoutly. Until their time on this earth is done. I pray, Lord. That if you you would give me 70 or 80 or 90 years. That those, all of those years would be for you, for you. And Lord, I pray as we come into a new year, even a new decade, that if you tarry, if you would leave us here for the next 10 years, that these next 10 years would be better than the last. That our lives for you would be lived with greater devoutness. Greater devotion. And Lord, as we, if we have the privilege of coming to the end of those 10 years, coming into 2030, if you tarry, may we rejoice in all that you've done in our lives and not be filled with dread that at some point we quit. At some point we stopped. And so Lord, please, Work in our lives now. Bless us, please. We pray that you'd fill us, fill us each with the Holy Spirit, that we may understand what you have for us today. We pray in the Lord Jesus Christ's name. Amen. I had the privilege of knowing devout men and women. One of the things that I, I praise God that I'm able to have a part in is, is uh, ministering in, in the nursing homes. If, if you want to know some devout people, know some Christians in the nursing home. Right, Gail? It's true. And not all of them are in there, devout Christians. Most of them aren't. But that's true anywhere you go. But I tell you what, I've met some devout Christians in the nursing home. I remember a dear lady named Edna. She wasn't saved. She was a nasty lady. <laughs> 
She really was. Not nasty in a, in a, she said bad things, but she was mean. She was a mean-spirited person. I remember going to her room and inviting her to come to the service, and she told me to get out of there. For some reason, the next week she came. I never found out why she came, but she did come. You know what? She got saved. She trusted Christ with all her heart. She had two more years, and she lived them devoutly. She was able to come to church one time, got her out in a wheelchair, and we were able to get her out one time. But she was faithful to the Lord. She read her Bible. When I'd say, would you pray for me? You know what she, what, you know what she did? She really prayed for me. By the way, that's one of the reasons I go to the nursing home. Because they really pray for me. You guys, you tell me you pray for me and you forget about it. I'm just, most of you don't. Most of you don't. I appreciate your prayers. But they really do. She was a dear lady. She did pass away. Most of you remember Roy. You know where he spent the last months in his life? In the nursing home, Alpine. Where he was influential in many people's lives for the Lord. He never quit. He was in a nursing home, never quit. Barrett would go and pick him up for church every week. And he would come. And he influenced us until his dying day, even in his funeral. He was an influence unto us. Not many folks like that, are there? Not many folks like that. I've done many funerals. Very few of them, even the Christians, did they continue to influence others for the Lord up until their dying day. I want to be one of those, and I hope you do too. Notice Simeon and Anna. The Lord Jesus was young. He was being brought to Jerusalem to be uh, given as he was. Uh, it was the practice, the Old Testament practice, to um, dedicate the firstborn son unto the Lord at the temple. They would take those two turtle doves and they would sacrifice those for sin and. And uh, in rejoicing in the Lord, we continue to have that type of thing today. We'll dedicate babies or young people unto the Lord. Um, we don't baptize children because baptism doesn't save. It wouldn't save a little child from, from being uh, from hell. It's only by faith that we're saved from that. So we, we baptize adults um, after that. But we do dedicate just like they did in the Old Testament. By the way, you don't need a ceremony to dedicate your children to the Lord. You have a practice of living your life for the Lord in your home. Teaching them faithfully the Word of God. Be faithful in those things. As you walk on the roads, as you, as you drive in the car, as you have special moments with your children... Use them for the Lord. And Simeon was there. He was always there. And this is what the scripture says. Starting in verse 25. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem 
whose name was Simeon. And the same man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Ghost was upon him. And it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came by the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought the child Jesus to do for him after the custom of the law, then took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now let us thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people, a light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel. And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. And Simeon blessed them and said unto Mary his mother, Behold, this child is set for the fall and rising again of many in Israel. And for a sign which shall be spoken against. Yea, a sword shall pierce thine own soul also. That the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. Number one, we need to notice that Simeon was old. He was old enough to want to die. He was ready to go to heaven. I always praise Lord for people who really are ready to go to heaven. They're not looking to die. They're not looking to take their own life. But they're ready to go to heaven because Paul said it is better to be in heaven. And there's no doubt about it. Now it may be better for us that they're here, but it's better for them to be in heaven. And they looked forward to that day. Simeon looked forward to that day, didn't he? He wanted to be in heaven, but he was not going to go to heaven until he saw the consolation of Israel. Now the consolation of Israel is Jesus Christ, right? He knew that was the case. That the consolation of Israel was Jesus Christ. And brethren, Jesus is the consolation of Israel. And He is a light to lighten the Gentiles. That word consolation is not a consolation prize. But this word consolation in the Greek is almost the same as the word that's used for the Holy Spirit. It's a word that means to come alongside in order to help. And when Jesus Christ came, He came to help the world know how to be redeemed. He came that the world may know what it really means to be saved. He came to be a light to lighten the Gentiles. He came to be the one in whom all could look to and be saved. And this is the truth. I want you to notice what the scripture says of of this old man said about Jesus. He says, verse 30, for mine eyes have seen thy salvation. Now, sadly, many in Simeon's time were looking for a savior, but they were looking for the wrong kind of savior. They were looking for someone to be a political savior, a warrior who was going to come and defeat the Romans so that Israel would be saved from the Roman Empire. No longer would they have to worry about those soldiers. They wouldn't have to worry about censuses being taken. 
They would be able to be free from those things. But Jesus did not come to save the Israelites from the Romans. He came to save the Israelites from their sin. And when Jesus does come as the warrior in the end of the world, he is going to come not to defeat the people who rise up necessarily against Christians, but he's going to come to defeat darkness, particularly and generally around the world. In fact, every unsaved person on that day will be defeated by Christ. He's never going to come to defeat an empire except that empire be the Antichrist empire. And so they had it all wrong. But when Jesus did come, what did he come for? He came as salvation. I want you to listen carefully what that means. Notice he says, Lord, he says, uh, that uh, For mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people, a light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel. And so he uses three terms. Number one, he uses all people. Number two, he uses the word Gentiles. Number three, he uses the word Israel. Alright? And so, who are these people? Number one, who is all people? Well, all people, it makes sense, would be what? All people. How do we know that? Well, notice what he says. He says Gentiles and he says Israelites or Gentiles and Jews. Who are they? Well, if you put them together, who do you have? (laughs) You've got all people, right? You've got them all. And the Lord Jesus Christ came to be the salvation of all people. Now, not all people will be saved, but all people Jesus came to save. Save from what? Well, it has to be something that is common to every person. And it has to be something that causes us to be at odds with God Himself. And there's only one thing that that is. It's not whether you're a Republican or Democrat. It's not based upon the color of your skin. It's not based upon... Where you come from in the world or what language you speak. There's something that every person in the entire world has that separates us from God and that's sin. It's important for everyone to remember that we are all sinners. And Jesus came as salvation for us. Who's us? All of us. We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. We've all broken the commandments of God. Whether it be the first, which we often forget, we're not to have any other God before Him. And believe me, the fact that you come to church does not mean that you've made God the only God in your life. The Scripture tells us that we, if we covet, it's idolatry. Be careful what's under the Christmas tree, Right? It can be, be, become the proof that we're sinners. I'm not against giving gifts at Christmas. We do it in our homes. But my kids, listen. Some of the things that you desperately desired prove one thing. You're a sinner. Because you wanted that thing more than you want God. And adults, here's the truth. 
There are things in our life and times in our life where we want things more than we want God. And it proves that we're a sinner. Most people leave that one out. Most people don't want to have any thought about that. They try to go to some other things. They think, they think about some other of the, the commandments that God gives. How about this one? Children, obey your parents. That's a good one, isn't it? <laughs> children, obey your parents. You know, children, if you've ever disobeyed your parents one time, you fall in the category of needing a Savior. Needing someone to be your Savior. Because you've sinned and, and that sin separates you from God forever. The Scripture tells us, parents, that we are not to commit adultery. And you say, well, I've never committed adultery against my spouse. Jesus said this. If you look with your eyes to lust after someone, you've committed adultery in your heart already. The Scripture tells us that we're not to lie. How about a little lie? Nope. Not even a little lie. Much less the big lies we've all told to get out of trouble. Oh, honey, I'm not hungry because uh, I'm a little sick. In reality, I ate a double cheeseburger, fries, and a Coke at Burger King before I got home, right? That's a lie. She always catches me. It's a lie. Now, it's funny, but it's a lie. It proves that I need a Savior, right? You know what? We could look at all the commandments, and we're going to have to come out down on this side. I haven't kept them. I haven't kept them. Even the rich young ruler who said, I've kept all those from my youth up, was already breaking one of them by lying. The Lord did leave one out, thou shalt not covet. And so Jesus told him to sell all he had and follow him. He wouldn't do it. You know why? Because he was covetous. We need a Savior. Who needs a Savior? Jesus knew the Gentiles needed a Savior and the Jews needed a Savior. And I want you to notice the way it's phrased. Look at what it says. And he took him up in his arms, verse 28. Now let us... Thou, thy servant, depart in peace according to thy word, for mine eyes have seen thy salvation. Jesus is not only the Savior, but he is salvation in of himself. Now, that, this is what that means. There is no salvation outside of Christ. And there is nothing we can add to salvation. Now... By the way, don't worry about this. I've got five. All right? I know how it is. I've already had to talk to one of them. But listen careful. The sad thing is, it is that there are people who think of Jesus as a Savior or the Savior in the sense that He came to help us to be saved. Jesus did not come to help us be saved. He is the Savior. What do I mean by that? I mean this. There are those who believe that Jesus died on the cross for their sins and rose from the dead. And in doing that, He died to help us to be saved. For example, the Mormons who have all kinds of things about Christ wrong, but the gospel they have wrong too. 
They believe that Jesus died on the cross for sins in order to help them to be better people. And when they're better people, it shows that they're good enough to have part in whatever it is that they have a part in. Here's the truth. Jesus did not die to help us to get better so that we could be saved by be getting better. Are you with me? He didn't, he didn't come to be a helper to get saved. He came to save us. And all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, not helped to be saved. Catholicism believes the same general idea. They believe in, in what we might call the gospel. And in fact, if you were to talk to devout Catholics, you might say, well, man, these people are saved. Now, can a Catholic be saved? They can be. But they're not saved if they believe that Jesus is the one to help them to salvation. In other words, yes, Jesus died on the cross for my sins and rose from the dead. And he helps me to do the good I need to do to be able to get to heaven. All right. It's not, that's not the gospel. Jesus died on the cross to save us from the penalty of our sin. Period. There's nothing to add ever. And this is what Simeon meant by, I have seen thy salvation. He didn't say the, the one to save us or the, or some type of way of telling us how we might become good people in order to get saved. Jesus is the Savior, and that's all there is to it. And I praise God that that's true. Aren't you? The amazing thing about the gospel is it's unlike any other system of religion out there. Now, Christ is not a religion, but one of the things that I'm amazed at as I minister to people in the nursing homes is that they can get saved. I ministered to a dear old lady that was 103 years old. I told her this about Jesus and what he did in dying on the cross for her sin. And you know what she said? I believe that now. And she asked Jesus to be her savior. She didn't have many days left. But I believe we're going to see her in heaven. If Jesus were just to help. That lady would have no hope. None. And in fact, Mormons on their deathbed have no hope. And Catholics on their deathbed have no hope. Because Jesus is no more than a help. Jesus is not my help. He is my everything. Without Him, I cannot be saved. And I'm glad that He died for me and He died for you. I praise God for my Catholic friends and my Mormon friends. I have far less Mormon friends than Catholic friends. And But it's important for them to understand that they need Christ alone. By the way, many of you probably listen to Glenn Beck. Maybe you've even read his testimony and you're amazed at the transformation in his life. He believes that Jesus is the stepping stone to salvation. And because he stopped drinking, um, it's that Jesus is being his savior by doing that. That's not the gospel. And in fact, he's not saved. I'm glad he's not a drunk like he once was. But he is not saved until he believes that Jesus 
is the Savior alone. You with me on that? I want you to think about that. But he said, Mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people. Here we have a man who waited and waited and waited to see Christ. Now, he, we don't know when God told him he was going to not die until he saw the Messiah. We assume that it was a day or two before, but it doesn't say that anywhere in here, does it? He might have been told when he was 20 years old. And he's been waiting for decades. But here's the thing. This man would have waited for Christ whether the Holy Spirit told him or not. You with me? He would have waited for Christ whether the Holy Spirit told him or not that Jesus was God, that the, the Messiah was coming and he wouldn't die. The Holy Ghost told him, but he would have waited anyway because he was devout. What do I mean? Brethren, I don't know when Jesus is coming back. I don't know. I believe that in his imminent return, I believe that he could come back before we are done with our service here today. But if he doesn't come today, and if God never tells me you're not going to die until you see Jesus return, I want to be waiting just like Simeon. Right? In other words, for Simeon, there was going to be no difference practically in his life whether the Holy Spirit told him or not. He was going to look for Christ no matter what. Now, we don't know when. We may make it another year, another decade. We don't know. We may all in this room, we may die before Christ returns. I don't think so, but it could happen. I don't know when, but I know this. I want to wait for him with my eyes up, looking forward for his return, just like Simeon. Turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 4. 2 Timothy chapter 4. Paul says, henceforth there is laid up for me, in verse 8, henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day. Now listen, and not to me only, but to all them also that love His appearing. I want to be like Simeon in the sense that I want to love. I want to love the idea of seeing Christ. Right? That I'd want that more than whatever I might get at Christmas time. That it would be greatest, the greatest thing to me to see Christ than anything else. Here's the amazing thing. In general, we see that desire grow as we get older if we don't stop wanting it. Many older folks give up. But if we never give up, if we stay devout, we will long to see Christ more and more. I want to be honest with you. When I asked my wife to marry me, I didn't think to myself, boy, I hope Jesus comes before I get married. I thought to myself, Jesus, could you wait a little while until I get married? And 
When my wife told me she was pregnant, I didn't think, Jesus, why don't you just come before my child's born? I thought, boy, I can't wait to see my child. Lord, if you're going to come, can you come a little bit? Now listen, now I'm saying, Lord, would you come? Lord, come before Riley turns 16 and gets his license. (laughs) But seriously, as my body starts to break down and I'm not as strong as I used to be, as the imminency of, of all kinds of things happening in our lives... We ought to long to see Jesus because when we see Jesus, we will be like Him for we'll see Him as He is. I find myself hating my sin more and more and more. It may be true that I'm not sinning like I once did before I was saved or after I was recently saved. But I hate my sin more and more. But I know when when He comes, the moment I see Him... I'm never going to sin again. Do you long for Christ like Simeon longed to see Christ? In 1 John, this is probably my favorite passage of Scripture. In chapter 2, verse 28, he says, And now, little children, abide with Him, that when He shall appear... We may have confidence and not be ashamed before Him at His coming. I don't want to be ashamed when Jesus comes. Why would we be ashamed when Jesus came? The sad thing is, is I could look back last week at certain times in my life and say, boy, if Jesus came, I'd be ashamed that He came right then. I would have been ashamed. I don't want to be ashamed. Do you? I don't want to be ashamed at His coming. I need to remember that He's coming. He loves me and He's coming. I think He's coming soon. I know He's coming soon, whatever that means. Verse chapter 3. Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew Him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. I look forward to that. Simeon looked forward to that. He knew that Christ was the one come to save. Back there in Luke, notice what the scripture says. In verse 33, and Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. And Simeon blessed them and said unto Mary, his mother, behold, this child is set for the fall and rising again of many in Israel. I think that shows us that not everybody's going to be saved. Some are going to fall. And their fall is is going to come because of unbelief. Because in their pride, they refuse to believe that Christ really is the Savior. That if there's any salvation, it'd be in themselves and not in God. But Jesus is the salvation. Behold, this child is set for a rising, fall and rising again of many in Israel and for a sign which shall be spoken against. And brethren, we see that today. This is the fulfillment. Today is a fulfillment of 
this prophetic thing, Jesus would be spoken against, wouldn't he? Jesus has been spoken against for a long time. The people speak about Christ sadly today. So often. It's amazing how an atheist can be so incredibly angry at Jesus. Who to them doesn't exist. What in the world that doesn't make any sense. But Jesus does exist. And if they refuse Christ, they will have to go before him one day. In all their sin. And face his wrath. And believe me, Christ is greater than the atheist. No matter what his name is or how many books he's written. May we pray for our atheist friends. That they might believe. Yea, verse 35, a sword shall pierce through thine own soul also. Jesus was pierced. Mary was pierced as she stood there next to the cross. And Jesus was killed for our sin. She was no doubt pierced as Jesus was preaching and she wanted to see him. And he said, here is, these are my brothers and my sisters and my mother, those who listen to me and do what I say. That probably pierced her. But I want you to notice that Jesus would be pierced and he was. Zacharias said that he would be pierced in the book of Zechariah. That he would be pierced in Zechariah chapter 4 verse 12. Pierced for the sins of Israel. In Isaiah chapter 53, by his stripes we are healed. And of course Jesus was pierced. He was Pierced through his arms, through his hands and through his feet. And they took a sword and pierced him right through the heart to make sure he was dead. But three days later, he rose from the dead. In the very name of Christ, it says that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. The name of Christ and what he did on the cross reveals hearts, doesn't it? Those that despise him will despise him at his name. And those that love him will love him at his name. You know, it's amazing how those who say they're Christians, when somebody comes to their door who says they're a Christian, and they want to invite him to church or, or tell them about the gospel, and those same people who say they're Christians will get mad that you're there. Like the name of Christ is an affront to them. You know, many people who say they're Christians don't think about Christ very much at all. I always praise God for the folks that I knock on their door. And they say, oh, I'm a Christian. I go to such and such a church. Why don't you? It's good to see you. I'm glad you're doing this. Sometimes they invite me in. Sometimes they, they, uh, they send me merrily on my way. But it's so sad when a person who says I'm a Christian gets mad at you because you're coming to tell people about Christ. And here's the thing. Christ will cause people to get happy or Christ will cause people to be mad. There's no neutral ever. And that's why the scripture says that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. And then Anna. And there was Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Aser. She was of great age and lived with an husband 70 years from her virginity. And she was a widow of about fourscore and four years, which departed not from the temple, but served God with fastings and prayers night and day. Here was a devout woman at great age. And I don't know of all that the numbers mean here. How long she was a virgin, how long she was married, how long she was a widow. But I want you to notice 
She served God even in her great age, didn't she? How? Fastings and prayers. No matter how old you are, you can serve God. Even if you can't get out of your wheelchair with fastings and prayers. Right? Now notice what happens. And she coming in that instance gave thanks likewise under the Lord. Simeon gave thanks. She gave thanks just the same. And notice what the scripture says. We don't hear what she said, but we know what she said. And spake of him to all them that looked for redemption in Israel. What did Anna do? She left the temple and told anybody who wanted to hear that Jesus had come to save them from their sin. To redeem them. He paid the price. When he said it is finished, he said the price has been paid. That means he's done the redemptive work. He's bought us so that we can be taken out of darkness into his marvelous light. You with me? She left the temple to go anywhere in Jerusalem to tell anybody who would hear. By the way, ladies, you have a lot to say about Christ. You may not have a role as a pulpit preacher, but I want you to know you have every right to preach Christ to anybody who would hear. You could tell your neighbor and preach it right to him. You know, Jesus died for your sin and rose from the dead. Even if your neighbor's a man, you can tell him, Jesus died for you. It doesn't say Anna just told the ladies, right? Said she was a prophetess. Now it doesn't say that she got up into the temple and did it. She went out into Jerusalem. And I, I believe the scripture is right. God is very wise in giving roles unto men and women and not mixing the two. But here's one thing he's called us all to go and to preach the gospel. To preach the gospel to every creature. And that's going to take every man and woman. May God help us to do it. Amen. It is not the job of the pastor only or primarily. It is the job of all of us to go and to preach redemption to those who will hear. Not everybody will hear. Like I said, some may even get angry that you even had the gall to name the name of Christ. The same people who put their signs out, love is love. Blah, 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 blah. I got two of them in my neighborhood. When we go tell them, when we tell them about Christ, they get upset. That's okay. We want to tell them about Christ anyway, because one day they may want to know. Maybe not today, but one day they may want to, because everybody's going to face God one day. Brethren, I'd encourage you. Be encouraged by these two old people. And they were old. Simeon, I don't think he had much time left. He might have died that night. Anna, she had a little time left, but I don't think she had much. But all the time they had, they gave it to the Lord. May God help us as we come into this new year. May God help us to be devout. We need His help, by the way, if we're going to be devout. We're not going to be devout because I, we say, this year, I'm going to be devout. I'm going to write it down. My New Year's resolution, I'm going to be devout to the Lord. We better go to praying. <laughs> Because as soon as we write that thing on the paper without God, we are without hope. But with Him, we can do anything. 
In fact, by the way, this can be the best year of your life and your devout, your devotedness to the Lord. It can be. But not because you say so, but because you trust the Lord with your life. Simeon and Anna trusted the Lord with their life. It made a great difference right in their dying day. If you're getting older, don't quit. Maybe you can't wait to be retired. I don't blame you. Right? There's, there's very few jobs that people say, you know what, I just I want to keep doing this forever and ever and ever. I'm, I never want to retire. Most people want to retire. But don't retire from the Lord. Right? Don't retire from the Lord. In fact, if you do retire, that gives you a whole lot more time to live for the Lord. Doesn't it? A whole lot more time. And you could still get in 18 holes of the golf course if you wanted to and still give a whole lot more time to the Lord. I'm not saying you shouldn't go play golf. Go play golf to the glory of God and then see, figure out what you can do to be used of the Lord, to bring redemption to people. Right? May God help us. We have a great God. May this be the greatest year for Him in our lives. Because of because we want his life, we want our lives to be used for him. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes, brethren. Maybe you want to open your eyes and read through this passage again. Maybe there's a note that you took. Something that you want to remember. But if you're here today. In spirit and in truth, I have no doubt that God's speaking in some way to your life. And now, in the quietness of the moment, we have an opportunity to speak to God. You know, every single person in this room could be speaking to God right now. And He hears each and every one of us. In the quietness of the moment, just you and God. Maybe there's a sin in your life he wants you to to be rid of. Ask him for help. Maybe there's something that's keeping you from being devoted to him. Ask him for help. Maybe there's something you want to do. You've been wanting to do it for a while. But you haven't. Ask him for help. Maybe you're retired and you've quit. You can start right back up again. That's an amazing thing, isn't it? You quit most jobs, especially when you're older. They're not going to let you back. God will. In fact, He has made it to where you have great value to His kingdom. Speak to Him now. In just a moment, Curtis will come and lead us in our last song. But don't leave here without spending time with the Lord.